get my shoes and out the door. Five, I'm alive. Six, seven, eight, Hello, BYWG Tribe. Here's a quick peek at our supplement, product, and book of the month for July 2020. At the end of the podcast, I'll spend a few minutes going into further detail so we encourage you to listen to the end. The supplement of the month for July is our very own highly absorbable magnesium glycinate. The 10% discount code in office or online is MAG10. That's case sensitive, so it's lowercase M-A-G-10. Our book of the month is the Life Strengthening Book by Deanna Ferrugia. The product of the month is the True Dark Company and their incredible list of blue light blocking glasses and their other products too, as they say, stop junk light. All the links, discount codes, and special offers for the product, supplement, and the book will be listed in the show notes in Apple Podcasts, post on social media, in our weekly newsletter, and on our website at www.beyondyourwildestgenes at the Listen Now tab. Thanks, as always, for listening. Welcome to Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast. For those new to the program, we are inspired to share the practical side of the science of epigenetics, and we discuss the physical, chemical, nutritional, emotional, and spiritual well-being that are the determinants of how your genes express and how your life expresses these characteristics. So today is a very special opportunity for me. My guest today is Dr. John Demartini. He's a world-renowned teacher, researcher, writer, healer, and philosopher who has travels the globe with his science and wisdom in human consciousness. Today we are live and we are at the Breakthrough Experience, his signature program, and I'm thrilled to share his teachings with you today. Welcome, John. Thank you. So, John, first thing we usually start with with our audience is give them a little chance to get to know you. Start maybe with the why, who you are, and why you do what you do. Well, I have been involved in the study of human behavior and anything that will help maximize human behavior human awareness, potential, and the involvement of consciousness um, since 1972, when I was inspired by a one gentleman, one night, one hour, uh, with one message in Hawaii. I was in Hawaii, living in Hawaii at the time, and his name was Paul Bragg, and he inspired me to uh, do what I'm doing today. And for the last 44 and a half years, I have been on a mission to researching everything and anything I get my hands on that can help individuals do extraordinary things, live more magnificent lives, inspired lives, and um, do more with what they've got. And so I've been, um, that's led me to every imaginable field of endeavor and a lot of mentors. I travel full time around the world today. I have researched thousands of books, over 30,000 books I've read. And I do everything I can to, to do that objective. And I do it every day. I speak pretty well every day. I travel most every day. I research, I travel, teach. That's what I do every day. Well, I have been a student of yours for over 20 years, um, virtually and in various seminar formats and, and more at experiences like this over the last 12 or 13 years. Um, I can honestly say that the information that you share and the tools that you teach are something that are practical. You know, it's not just theory, although the theory and the science is strong and real and proven, but the actual application of that is what makes your work so much more life-changing and pivotal. 
uh, one thing that I think is is illuminating a lot of times when I've when I've heard you speak is in in human behavior and human dynamics. There's a lot of foc- focus on being happy, and you know, living a life. If you're happy, you're going to be more successful. If you're happy, you're going to be richer. If you're richer, you're going to be more happy. It's just a wonderful cycle of happiness. And and I think you perhaps have a different perspective to share on that. I studied Aristotle. I'm a, a student of the classics. And I remember him mentioning that there were two forms of happiness and probably a gradation between. One was a hedonistic, immediate gratifying happiness, which is transient and is pleasure-seeking. And the other is a long-term, meaningful, wellness, well-being-seeking, which endured pleasures and pains in the pursuit of it. And he was emphasizing this. And Parmenides and other philosophers of the Greeks and Neoplatonic philosophers, they all understood this, Stoics, etc. So what most people do is they don't realize that there is layers in the brain. And the more primitive the brain, more centralized, older portions of the brain, you might say, uh, is more about avoiding pain and seeking pleasure. It's more avoiding predators, seeking prey avoiding punishment, seeking reward, and is very small time frame oriented. Because in emergencies, you need to chase the food and you need to get rid of the predators. It's a quick response thing. But the more outer layers of the brain, the more evolved part of the brain, uh, was having foresight, planning, uh, inspired vision, strategic planning, executing plans, self-governance towards longer term visions that had meaning and had fulfillment that were purposeful, teleological. And he said, people that pursue those uh, have a higher wellness quotient. They have a longer life. They're more likely to have self-worth and more likely to have net worth. So there's a wealth quotient. They're more likely to have a balanced orientation with more objective thinking instead of subjective biases that the amygdala is responsible for. And so there's different types of happiness. So because most people perceive happiness in terms of the immediate gratification by by this, consumerism, uh, quick fix kind of thing. I find that most people think of happiness in terms of those those terms. But if you use the word happiness in terms of wellness, which he distinguished from hedonism to eudaimonia, and this eudaimonic state, which is this wellness quotient, uh, was a longer-term, more fulfilling happiness. So I don't like to confuse the word happiness with that. I say there are people that are searching for meaning and fulfillment in life and purpose in life, and there's people looking for immediate pleasure in life. And the people looking for pleasure attract pains. The people that embrace meaning embrace both pain and pleasure in pursuit of it. And they're more well-rounded, they're more fulfilled, and they have a longer life. So I'm not promoter of happiness as it's typically mass-sold. I'm interested in, in happiness as an eudaimonic construct of fulfillment of meaning. Viktor Frankl talked about in search of meaning. Uh, Nietzsche talked about in search of power. And Freud talked in terms of, pain, of, of pleasure versus pain. Uh, the one that was meaningful, Viktor Frankl, is the ones who survived the concentration camps because they had that longer-term version of it. So if a person's using that to describe happiness, then great. If not... I think that there's a deeper, more profound form of fulfillment that a person can have 
that is more empowering in their life and more service-oriented than just immediate narcissistic value of getting a quick fix and pleasure, which we know the second we buy something or get something that's pleasurable, it's transient at best, temporary. We have hedonic adaptation uh, set up in the brain. The second we get a pleasure, the second time we do it, we get less pleasure from it. Most people can identify the first time they kissed somebody they were infatuated with. And man, that was a long kiss. The second time, it was a little less long. And after about 20 times, it was a very short kiss. This is hedonic adaptation, automatically making sure that we don't get addicted to pleasure and to try to find meaning. And a long-term relationship will find meaning and not be addicted to just immediate gratifying pleasure. So happiness uh, has a gradation. And the most fulfilling happiness is one that is, adds meaning to your life. The distinction between the animal and the human is the animal can find pleasure, but they won't find meaning. We distinguish ourselves from the lower species by our ability to find meaning in things. And the word meaning is finding the golden mean between the poles of opposites that are emotions that we live by. And what the Buddha described is the search for that which is unavailable and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable is the source of human suffering. So that hedonistic model is actually the source of our passion and suffering. But our, our mission, not our passion, our inspired mission for meaning is something that has a lasting effect and expands our space and time horizons and allows us to leave legacies and have more long-term value in the world and leaves us feeling fulfilled that we've made a, a great life, we serve people. So I think a lot of people listening are, are looking for you know, concepts that they can use every day in terms of, of living a longer life, a healthier life, a better life, a more fulfilled life is probably really the target that is the thing that they're seeking in that. Um, and some of the work that you do in keeping the emotional sways and poles and ups and downs and sidewayses that tend to take people off that path of fulfillment is really what you do here at the Breakthrough Experience in your teachings, in your writings, in the articles that people will see in the videos that they see online. So when we talk about balancing emotions, are we talking about being numb or are we talking about being centered? That's a great question. I um, <clears throat> People who are new to the work that I do, uh, when I tell them that emotions are incomplete awarenesses. So if you're infatuated with somebody, uh, they occupy space and time in your mind and they run you. When you're resentful to somebody, they occupy space and time in, their, in your mind and they run you. But when you have a balanced emotion, you run you. And when you're infatuated, you're assuming the positives and you're blind to the negatives and you're attracted like an animal with an impulse. If you're resentful, you're assuming the negatives and you're blind to the upsides, the positives and you're like an instinct running from prey, predator. And so you're basically in that primitive part of the, of the brain. So the more extreme the polarity of the emotions, the more primitive the brain, the more centralized or inner brain functions for survival. But the outer layers of the brain are involved in foresight and thinking and reason. McLean wrote about this in the 70s. And when you live in a way that's objective and that's reasonable, you do not get caught in infatuation resentments. You have gratitude because you see the hidden order in things, in your chaos. You have love because love is a balanced state, not a polarized state. Most people confuse infatuation with love. But love is a, the embracing of both the 
the support and the challenge, the positive and the negatives, the infatuation with them. The person you love, you're going to like and dislike, it's going to oscillate. When you can integrate and appreciate both of them, you have love. You're going to be more enthused because you feel like you have, you can see things objectively and you have strategies to achieve things. You'll be more inspired because you're living by your highest value, your intrinsic value, and which is spontaneously inspiring to go and act on. You're more present because you're not uh, sitting with emotions of past and future. And you're more um, in a state of certainty because you're not wavering with these emotions. So gratitude and love and inspiration and enthusiasm are synthesized feelings. They're where the pairs of opposites are come together together at the same time. And emotions are polarized feelings. So you're not going to get rid of feelings. You're just going to transform polarized feelings into synthesized feelings. And I've been doing the breakthrough experience for 28 years. I've taken over a quarter of a million people through it. I've done it in 62 countries. And every weekend I have people that come in with polarized emotions, that there are things they're infatuated with and resenting. It's running their life. I help them go through a process called the Demartini Method. When they're done, they have synthesized feelings. They're grateful. They feel love for the person, love for themselves. They're inspired by what happened and they're not sitting there with stories. They're, they're enthused and want to act. And they have feelings, but it's not indifferent. It's feelings that are synthesized and poised. There's a poised presence instead of a poisoned emotional state. Well, and what I've experienced, certainly clinically in working with people as a chiropractor and watching people come through your program, is that these polarized emotions are the root of a great deal of, of sickness, of disease, of illness. Exactly. So can you talk a little bit about that for our listeners so they get a perception of how that works? Yes. Um, we have an autonomic nervous system. And this autonomic nervous system has two primary divisions. The sympathetic, primarily for challenges that cause a fight or flight response. Uh, that's the predator coming after us. We initiate that. So anything that challenges our highest values that we perceive that could challenge us, we activate that part of our autonomic. And we create a fight or flight response. We get uh, norepinephrine, epinephrine, cortisol, testosterone, histamine reactions. And you get all the reactions. You get erythropoiesis to make sure you have more blood. You get more oxygen. Everything is ready for fight or flight comes online. And you oxidize the body. And you catabolize the body. And you break down the body in preparation. And uh, you're literally glycolysis something just to break things down ready for fight or flight to have energy. When you see something that supports your highest value and you feel more resting and digesting, it represents prey. You want to eat it and rest and, and, and consume it. This is anabolic. This is reductive. This is the opposite pole. So anytime you're perceiving an imbalance between support and challenge of your values, you're going to either activate the parasympathetic or the sympathetic dominance. And anytime you have an imbalance in the autonomics, you create illness. Because what the autonomics do is they change physiology. Let me give an example. If you see something that challenges your value and your sympathetic comes online, the blood supply comes out of the digestive organs, comes out of the things that relate to the immune system and, and literally go out into the muscles for fight or flight and into the lungs to breathe and to make sure you have energy and to get going. And your adrenals can in cortisol and norepinephrine and boom, you're off to run. You're ready to fight flight. 
but it runs down the immune system, runs down the digestive system, runs down many other things. Cardiovascular disease is increased, turbulence in the vascular system, uh, beta constriction in certain things. You start creating symptoms. If you stay in that state for long, your symptoms start happening. And the symptoms are feedback mechanisms to let you know that you have an imbalanced perspective and you're seeing a predator without prey. You're seeing a drawback without a benefit. You're seeing a negative without a positive. You're seeing stress, distress. If you go on the other side and you see more support and you get more parasympathetic, you go into anabolism, as I said. And now what happens is all the blood goes out from the muscles and lacks the muscles you lose. And it goes in for digestion, to digest food. And you absorb nutrients and you're now ready for uh, sluggishness. And if you were to go too extreme that way, your muscles would lose tone. You would end up gaining fat. You'd accumulate weight. Uh, your cardiovascular system would get lipids. Everything would go in you. So any of those extremes, either side, too far to an extreme, too sympathetic or parasympathetic, creates symptoms that create illness. And those symptoms are feedback to let us know that we're seeing more support than challenge or more challenge than support. See, if you get a prey, food, and you don't have a predator, and there's no predator out there, and all you do is have prey, you overeat, sluggish, you, get, you can get fat and die of diabetes and cardiovascular disease and problems that way. You need a predator to keep you on your toes, to eat just the amount and make sure you can run and keep fit. So what they found is that maximum growth and development occurs at the border of support and challenge. Maximum growth and development occurs at the border of parasympathetic sympathetic autonomics. So these are reciprocal opposites to each other, trying to keep things in a balance to have homeostasis or allostasis. Now, epigenetics comes in on this level. When those transmitters are released and neurohormones are released from the autonomics, they go circulating through the vascular systems either the lymphatic system, the cerebral spinal fluid system, the penis system, or the arterial system. And they go down to the cell walls, and they attach receptors. When they do, those receptors create a calmodulin stimulus and open up a gate, and cyclic AMP from the sympathetic or cyclic GMP from the parasympathetic is activated in the cell wall. If it's cyclic AMP, it activates a series of enzymes and causes a cascade of kinase enzymes to be activated, eventually goes into the nuclear pore that goes into the genes and methylates the genes and inhibits the genes to protect the genes from radiation, which is day. Because most of the time we're in the daytime when we take all the challenges at night, we rest. So it activates, it protects the genes from mitotic divisions because radiation can damage genes. And it will histone, protect the histones and keep them and stop transcriptions. And you'll stop for a moment and use up your reserves and what will happen is it will methylate the various conditions and tag the various genes and cause you to reverse back to regulatory DNA, this primitive species DNA that's sitting stored in your DNA, and create proteins and create things that are actually necessary for fight or flight, but not healthy for your body. On the other side, if you get more relaxing and parasympathetic, uh, you activate cyclic GMP from those transmitters. You do a phosphatase pathway. You activate in the nuclear pore acetyl, acetylation from the histones in the DNA, and you unspool the DNA and causes pro, the transcription and cause the release of proteins to be released, and you rebuild the body. Your functional and enzymes, everything else come online. So if we have too far one way or the other, we get too acetylated or too methylated, we get illnesses. And this is the epigenetics 
the methylation acetylation are the two primary epigenetic modulations of the genes and the histones and or the enzyme pathways, because it can go on any of them. And each of those are correlated with illnesses, including cancer. So cancer can be blastic from parasympathetic or clastic from sympathetic and actually too much growth or too erosion of, of cells. And these are basically a result of us perceiving extremes of things that challenge our values or support. So if we infatuate, we get support. If we resent, we get challenged. So most illnesses are a result of highly polarized emotions that accumulate in the subconscious mind that have never been balanced. Well, and you talk about it's that those emotions arise when people challenge or support our, our values, our core values. And, you know, in these last couple of minutes that we have, I know you have a specific tool on your website that perhaps you could tell people a little bit about, maybe direct them to, because I know it's a great free resource to just start this journey into values and understanding those roles that emotions can play in their health. Yeah, on my website, on drdmartini.com, it's D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. Dr. Demartini. Doctor is just D-R. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, drdmartini.com. If they go on there, on the menu on the left, you'll see determine your values, value determination process. You click that, up it comes another little thing. And this is a private thing, so this is only you will see this. So, yes, you'll have to put your email in, but you now have private access to a process that you can determine what your values are. And what this does is it, it goes through 13 questions that are very specific questions that what demonstrate what your life demonstrates is important to you. So you look at how you fill your space, how you spend your time, what energizes you, what you spend your money on, what do you, where you're most organized, where you're most disciplined, what do you think about, visualize, and affirm about how you want your life that shows evidence coming true, what is it you converse with other people and want to talk about most frequently, what inspires you. What is the most consistent goals that are coming true in your life? And what is it you love learning about? And this is what your life demonstrates is valuable to you instead of what your fantasies and social idealisms and platitudes that you come up with that you think are valuable to you. Because when I ask people what, they, what, what are your values, most of them give me all kinds of stuff. Not true. But your life demonstrates your values. So these are de depictions of what your life demonstrates. By going through there, it takes about 30 minutes of your time. And you want to honestly answer this. You want to answer it not as the way you hope it will be or not what you expect other people expect it to be or what it used to be, but what does your life demonstrate? You have to be objective. And if you do that, you'll get a really good indication of what you really value. Then you want to start prioritizing your life according to what you value most. Because anytime you're living your life by your highest values, your self-worth goes up, your achievements go up, your objective reason goes up, to, and your executive center in your brain comes online, which moderates the amygdala and emotional center. You become more reasonable, more objective, more balanced. It helps your wellness quotient, helps your immune system, helps your achievement. If you fill your day with high priority actions, anybody who doesn't fill their day with high priority actions and inspire them can expect low priority distractions that won't. And it's the low priority distractions that create the emotion, create the volatilities, create the self-depreciation and create the illness. So if you're not taking command of your life as a master, you're going to be a victim of your history. So I tell people by going online and doing that, it's at least the first step in helping you prioritize your life and take command. Because I think anybody who's been through any form of prioritization knows that they do fill their day with very high important things. It's easy to say no to people that want their time. But if they don't, they're vulnerable to outside distractions. And nobody's going to dedicate your life to your fulfillment except you. So if you're not master planning your life and organizing your priorities, by your own highest values, 
you almost guarantee to be having a lower, lower wellness quotient, epigenetic illnesses, and um, unfulfillment. Well, we've pretty much used up our time here, and I can't even imagine how valuable this is going to be for the listeners out there. I know how valuable your time is, uh, Dr. John Demartini, and I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me today. Is there any one thing that you would like to leave with our listeners? And uh, for everyone listening, make sure you check out the show notes. We will have all of the contact information for Dr. Demartini. Yeah, as you go through life, you deep inside know what you really feel you call to do. You want to make a difference. You want to do something extraordinary. But the second you go through life and you meet somebody and you compare yourself to them and you put them on a pedestal because you think they're more intelligent or you think they're more successful or you feel they have more wealth or you feel they have a better relationship or you think that somehow they're more influential or you think they're more attractive or healthier or you think that somehow they're more spiritually aware. The moment you compare yourself to them and you're too humble to admit what you see in them is inside you and you play small relative to them without you even knowing it, you're going to inject some of their values into your life, which will cloud the clarity of your own highest value, which will then dilute the possibility of you living by what's most important to you. You'll then devalue yourself in the process. Think you're not capable of doing more. And you'll probably sit there and go, I don't know what I really want to dedicate my life to and live in cloudiness. You'll end up a follower, not a leader. And you'll end up the 99%ers, not the 1%ers. So I just want to say is to give yourself permission to be you. The magnificence of who you really are and your identity revolves around your highest value is greater than any fantasy that you'll impose on yourself that you'll inject from by people that you compare yourself to. So instead of comparing yourself to other people, compare your daily actions to your own highest values through prioritization, and you will raise your self-worth and you will accomplish more. You'll say thank you to yourself. you look in the mirror and say, I love you. So last statement is, no matter what you've done or not done, you're worthy of love. So give yourself permission to do something extraordinary on planet Earth. That's the real you. Anything less than that is some injected you. Be true to yourself. Don't live by the shoulds, ought tos, supposed tos, got tos, have tos, must of others. Live by the inspirations and love tos and gratitudes that you have within. And if you do, you will be amazed at what you can accomplish because the real you is quite magnificent. Thank you, Dr. John Demartini. And thanks everyone for listening this week on Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast. As always, if you know someone who would like to hear this message, please feel free to forward. We are online at beyondyourwildestgenes.com as well as free on iTunes. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you again next week. You want to do something extraordinary. But the second you go through life and you meet somebody and you compare yourself to them and you put them on a pedestal because you think they're more intelligent or you think they're more successful or you feel they have more wealth or you feel they have a better relationship or you think that somehow they're more influential or you think they're more attractive or healthier or you think that somehow they're more spiritually aware. The moment you compare yourself to them and you're too humble to admit what you see in them is inside you and you play small relative to them, without you even knowing it, you're going to inject some of their values into your life, which will cloud the clarity of your own highest value, which will then dilute the possibility of you living by what's most important to you. You'll then devalue yourself in the process, think you're not capable of doing more, 
And you'll probably sit there and go, I don't know what I really want to dedicate my life to and live in cloudiness. You'll end up a follower, not a leader. And you'll end up the 99 percenters, not the one percenters. So I just want to say is to give yourself permission to be you. The magnificence of who you really are, and your identity revolves around your highest value, is greater than any fantasy that you'll impose on yourself that you'll inject from by people that you compare yourself to. So instead of comparing yourself to other people, compare your daily actions to your own highest values through prioritization. And you will raise your self-worth and you will accomplish more. You'll say thank you to yourself. You look in the mirror and say, I love you. So last statement is, no matter what you've done or not done, you're worthy of love. So give yourself permission to do something extraordinary on planet Earth. That's the real you. Anything less than that is some injected you. Be true to yourself. Don't live by the shoulds, ought tos, supposed tos, got tos, have tos, must of others. Live by the inspirations and love tos and gratitudes that you have within. And if you do, you will be amazed at what you can accomplish because the real you is quite magnificent. Thank you, Dr. John Martini, and thanks everyone for listening this week on Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast. As always, if you know someone who would like to hear this message, please feel free to forward. We are online at beyondyourwildestgenes.com as well as free on iTunes. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you again next week. Done. Beautiful. Our July supplement of the month is BYWG's Magnesium Glycinate. Magnesium is one of the most common deficiencies in current research and is a critical part of over 200 processes in the human body. Magnesium supplementation is suggested for many people and can be especially helpful for improved sleep, improved mood, muscle cramping, bone density, and so much more. This form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate, is well absorbed and less irritating to the digestive system, so it is the preferred form to other forms. Others can cause disaster pants when taken in the dose that is recommended. For the entire month of July, if you use the code MAG10, case sensitive, lowercase mag10, you will receive 10% off this incredible mineral. You can pick it up at our website at www.beyondyourwildestgenes.com, or if you're local, you could pick it up at the office and just mention the code. The July book of the month is the life-strengthening book by Diana Ferrugia. Dr. Mike had the honor to interview the author for the Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast. Listening to this podcast is an awesome way to get a feel for the author and this incredible book. You can listen in at our website at www.beyondyourwildestgenes.com at the Listen Now tab. <clears throat> our product of the month for July is True Dark, an incredible company with many pro products focusing on stopping junk light. True Dark's premium eyewear helps you manage your light exposure so you can sleep, feel, and live better. They also have special light bulbs, flashlight, nightlight, light therapy devices, and other products to help biohack your health. Personally, I have the flashlight, and I have two different types of true dark glasses. One to wear right before bed that, if you like music, makes me just look like Bono, and another more stylish pair for regular wear that makes me look like, if you're a Marvel fan, Tony Stark. <laughs> you can check out all these products at the links provided below. Thanks for listening.